1: Lando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal Constitution here with the 385th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to title this episode Should the Falcons Go After Ravens Quarterback Lamar Jackson? And today we have a special guest, Clifton Brown of the Baltimore Ravens.com, to give us a primer on this whole Lamar Jackson situation and, you know, maybe even what it would take to trade him or uh, don't foresee him g- coming onto the uh, market as an unrestricted free agent. They'll franchise tag him and get something uh, if they do decide to move on from him. Now, I did look up the uh, ratings on uh, the odds on uh, where he's going to go from uh, bookie.com. And the, the Jets are 28.6%. The Saints 22 Ravens 16 the Dolphins 13.8, Carolina and the Falcons are at 10.5% by the bookies, and the field is at 17.4%. But without further ado, let's welcome Clifton Brown to the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. How you doing, Clifton?
2: Doing great, d Always good to talk to you.
1: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And thanks for the hospitality on my last visit to Baltimore, and, uh, you know, always uh Good, good when you can hang out with your friends a little bit before the game. So, hey, so give us uh, the, uh, you know, I guess I don't know where to start. Let's start at the injury and the contract situation. The contract situation. Let's get caught up on the contract situation first, and then we'll talk about the injury.
2: Well, yeah, obviously he still hasn't signed a long-term deal. So just about an hour ago, uh, the Ravens announced that John Harbaugh and Eric Dacosta are going to have a press conference on Thursday. So Lamar Jackson is going to be topic A, B, C, D, and so on. So we'll at least hear to say here what they have to say about where Lamar stands. But you know, there's no way he's he would ever leave town without them getting something in return. So they can put the franchise tag on him. They could negotiate, try again to sign him to a long-term deal, or they could decide that if they can't reach a long-term agreement, that they'll you know sign and trade him. So it is a fluid situation. Uh, my feeling still is that, you know, the odds favor him staying in Baltimore at least one more year, but it's fluid, and you never know what could happen.
1: Yeah, uh, and, uh, you know, the injury this year kind of derailed things. He, they decided not to negotiate in season. Then he got hurt. Then, uh, you know, um, you know that it was thought to be a four-week injury. It lasted a little bit longer. How did the Ravens deal with him uh, being away during the injury time?
2: Yeah, I mean, everybody was disappointed that Lamar uh, did not come back and finish the season. When the injury first happened December 4th, I think the feeling among everyone was that he would be back at some point, and certainly if they made the playoffs, that he would be back in time for the playoffs, but it didn't happen that way. Now, you know, if you're hurt, injured, you can't play. Uh, Lamar, you know, put out a tweet last week saying that his knee was, you know, still swelling, that he wasn't ready to come back, but... I think a lot of people, um, with the contract being up in the air, that leads to speculation that, well, is he really trying to protect himself? Does he really want to come back because, you know, he doesn't have a contract long-term? I don't believe that. Lamar Jackson is a competitor. He's always loved to play football. So I'm taking him at his word that the injury is too was too severe for him to play. But the facts are he hasn't finished the last two seasons. He's been injured the end of the season both years. And that, to me, makes it even harder for them now to work out a long-term deal. Are they going to offer him the same as they did in August, which he didn't sign? Are they going to offer him less money, uh, which, you know, may be insulting to him? It's really an, it's a delicate situation for sure, but we'll have to see how it works out. And I think the Ravens, you know, at some point want to have this behind them. So, It'll be interesting what happens, what they have to say at the press conference on Thursday.
1: And the Ravens have a, a history of negotiating in good faith. Uh, they took care of Raquan Smith and his contract. What was that deal like? And uh, what is Lamar looking for? We don't know. Is he trying to get Deshaun Watson money, Patrick Mahomes money? What is he trying to get? Only
2: Lamar knows that. And I can't speak for Lamar. Um, and his circle is very tight, so we don't know. Um, I think it is important what you said. The Ravens do have a track record of of negotiating with players and offering them fair deals. Uh, Roquan Smith was with the Chicago Bears, wanted a new contract, didn't get one, got upset about the negotiations and asked to be traded. He gets traded to Baltimore. He had, he doesn't have an agent, just like Lamar, but even though he didn't have an agent, he was able to work out a long-term deal to make him the highest, inside, highest paid inside linebacker in the NFL. So... The Ravens, for years, you know, they've had players like Ray Lewis play his whole career in Baltimore. Uh, Ed Reed plays almost his whole career in Baltimore. Jonathan Ogden plays his whole career in Baltimore. These are Hall of Fame players. They've been able to negotiate contracts with star players in the past. So they want to work out, or at least up to this point, have wanted to work out a deal with Lamar. I I still That's another reason I still feel he's going to end up staying here. But, again until the contract is signed, there's always gonna be
1: speculation that maybe it won't happen. And, uh, you know, did you see the Michael Vick comments about, about him uh, saying he should play, you know, and so forth? What, how'd that go over in Baltimore?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, people who think he should've, somehow should've just put a brace on it and played, they're gonna agree with Vick. Uh, people who, like myself, who feel that if you're injured too severely to play, you, you can't play. I didn't think that. I thought that was a little shot at Lamar that was kind of unfair. I mean, only he knows how he feels. Um, And I think you have to be really careful, especially when you're talking about someone who throughout his life has been ultra competitive, that he would choose to sit out a playoff game if he thought he could play and help the Ravens win. Now, there's a difference between playing a game, running out there and playing, or taking the field, and being able to help your team win. And also, you yeah, know, being able to protect yourself. I mean, it's football. If you're out there, you know, running at fifty percent, not only can you not help your team, you may end up getting hurt worse. So I don't I just believe that he hasn't recovered yet. And just because it's playoff time, you can't magically make your knee feel better. So I don't I didn't agree with that comment,
1: but again, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Yeah, no question about it. Where was he um you know at this season and they they just haven't been able to give him any receivers Rashad Bateman's from from here Tiff County we thought that would work out it's just the receivers they put out there just haven't worked for him but uh, other than Andrews uh, but how was he developing as a reader of defenses and a passer
2: Yeah I think Lamar's definitely made strides uh, since he's been in the NFL in both areas but definitely I feel the Ravens need to bring in you know, another weapon or two at the wide receiver position this offseason. I do think it'll be a priority. Bateman, as you mentioned, he was doing well, but he got hurt early in the season and and never came back. Devin du- De- Devin Duvernay, their number two receiver, he also after the season. So their top two receivers weren't healthy down the stretch, and that makes it difficult on any quarterback. And when you look around the league, no one was saying that you know Tua Tua was a, a accurate, great passer and then he gets Tyreek Hill and you see what it did for him look what A.J. Brown did for Jalen Hurts you know you look look at what what Diggs did for Josh Allen it's been proven time and time again if you give a quarterback a real number one receiver it raises the level of the quarterback's play I feel that's something that the Ravens needed to do for Lamar Jackson or any quarterback that, that plays for them because when you bring in a threat like that uh, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, you going on, on? That just makes the game so much easier. It opens up the field, and it helps any quarterback.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, so, how did how did has the how is the marriage uh, get gotten to this point? How where are we looking at even contemplating a breakup? A team with an MVP quarterback, we just don't see that happen a lot.
2: Yeah, I think at this point, I feel that it's still. On the outside, more than is on the inside. I mean, they did not agree to a long term contract. That's a fact. And that's an important issue that they still need to resolve. But Lamar Jackson has never said, I want to be traded. The last comment he made about staying in Baltimore, I want to finish my career in Baltimore. The Ravens have never said, We don't lo- want Lamar Jackson. I think there's definitely was disappointment for sure and maybe some frustration when Lamar did not come back this year. But I don't believe the narrative that, you know, the relationship is fractured to the point that, you know, it can't be resolved. And I wrote an article today, or posted on website website yesterday, actually, about how many players in the locker room cleanup day were speaking out in support of of Lamar Jackson and keeping him. Calais Campbell saying, you can't trade a guy like that. Ronnie Stanley saying, I want to play the rest of my career with Lamar Jackson. Mark Andrews saying, I want want Lamar to stay here. On and on and on. So he has not lost the locker room. That's a narrative coming from outside. But again, the contract situation is going to be something that hangs over the franchise's head, in my opinion, until it's
1: resolved. Yeah, no doubt. Let's uh, let us let the Falcon fans uh, at least walk down the fantasy land of, you know, what it would be like if Lamar gets traded to the Falcons. Now it's going to cost you probably uh, two or three number ones. Uh, so, you know, a lot of draft capital. Then you got to do, uh, you know, uh, something close to uh, Deshaun Watson. You know, they didn't want to do the 230 guarantee last year, so why would they do it now? Uh, but you know, whatever he wants, you kind of gotta agree that you're gonna give it to him up front before you make the trade. So then all of a sudden, you don't have a lot of capital to build out the rest of the defense and the uh, offense moving forward. So so, but then you're in the NFC South. Brady retires, perhaps, or moves on. Uh, the Saints, uh, they don't have a quarterback. They got a top right defense. Uh, and the Panthers, um, you know, they 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 I don't know what's taking them so long to not hire Steve um Wilkes, but hey, uh uh more power to David Tepper. So what, what would um you know, you've seen uh, you've been to the Georgia Dome when Michael Vick was playing. What do you think of the ATL would be like if Lamar they somehow pulled off this Lamar deal?
2: I mean, he would definitely light up the ATL, no question. I mean, he's an electric player. Um to kind of to go along with this, this fantasy, uh, which, which you know, you never know. It could, if the Ravens got to the point where, okay, we're going to trade Lamar Jackson, I believe they would trade him to the NFC team. I, the the poll you called over, or the gambit thing you called over, him being traded to Jets, I never see that happening. I don't believe the Ravens are going to trade Lamar Jackson to the Jets or the Dolphins or anywhere where he could come back and hurt them and make it harder for them to make the playoffs. So the NFC would help the Falcons. I think Lamar, if he got to the point he wasn't going to play with the Rams anymore, Atlanta would be a place that would be attractive. He's from Florida, not too far away, and we know he had a fan base. I think he would you know, embrace living somewhere like Atlanta. But, yeah, as you mentioned, it would take a lot. And, yeah, I think the Rams would be looking for at least two number ones because I think they would want to replace him with a young quarterback. You can get a stopgap guy, guy like, say, a Derek Carr, but I think – Really, if they got to the point where they were really going to deal Lamar, I think they'd be looking for another franchise quarterback who they could groom. I mean, they've had really good run with Joe Flacco for a long time and now Lamar, so they have been good at picking quarterbacks. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I guess the Falcons can still dream or Falcons fans can dream about this, as other people are, until he signs a deal. But, again, my honest opinion is that I feel, A, he is going to eventually sign a long-term deal with the Ravens. But if
1: it comes to that, I think he would go to NFC. All right. Well, thanks for that, Cliff. Just two things to wrap up here. Uh, just wanted to check in with you on a couple players. How did uh, Roquan fit in when he came over from the Bears?
2: Tremendously. I mean, uh, he's become an instant team leader, great player. Not only is he added the defense, but Patrick Queen's game has really taken off playing next to Roquan. So, you know, Roquan is going to be a staple player for the Ravens' defense for the next four or five years. So, just tremendous. Everybody in Baltimore loves Roquan Smith.
1: And then lastly, uh, how did uh, Kyle Hamilton do over the year? I know he started out slow, but it looked like he came on down the stretch, had the big uh, forced fumble in the playoff game the other day.
2: Yeah, he really came on D-Lad. I mean, his trajectory went straight up from, I'd say, like around late October on I think that playoff game was his best game of the season. And that's a really good sign for a rookie, his first playoff game to rise to the occasion like that. So, yeah, he's he's everything that they thought he was going to be when they picked him 14. They really didn't need a safety, but they felt he was so good they couldn't pass him up. And now they're really glad to have him. Uh, he, he can play multiple positions, line up anywhere on the field. Another great, great young man. Yeah, two guys – they added their defense this year and Marcus Williams too. Three studs to me they really added to their defense this year that are gonna help them for a long time.
1: Yeah, no question about it. And, and hey, what other uh unrestricted free agents or on the bottom, or or you know on Baltimore's team that other people are gonna cover? Cause the Falcons finally got some cash, so uh gotta pay attention in free agency this year.
2: Yeah, they're starting left guard. Ben Powers is gonna be a free agent. Uh, you know, so that's one to watch. Then, you know, there's talk, you know, about Marcus Peters, whether he's going to come back uh, with the Ravens. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's a couple. They don't have a lot of guys running around. Obviously, you know, number eight, Lamar Jackson, the, the, you know, he's going to be, to me, franchised anyway, But that's, that's the biggest potential leave for the Ravens. But those are two other guys to watch. But they've done a good job resigning a lot of their young players, you know, like Mark Andrews. Uh, you know, who were coming up on contracts to keep them from hitting free agency. So
0: they don't have a mass
2: exodus coming this year.
0: Feel like they have a
2: good chance to run it back next year and try and get in the playoffs again and and go further.
1: Well, all right. Yeah, Ben Powers, we're going to write his name down because the Falcons started four left guards this year. And uh, uh, they need to solidify that spot. And then the Marcus Peters might be a little too old, but they do need a cornerback. So with that, hey, we're going to thank Clifton Brown for coming by from BaltimoreRavens.com and helping us with the Lamar Jackson situation. And then we're going to go to break. So thanks for coming on, Cliff. We really appreciate it. This is your second visit, correct? It is, To the is Podcast. Yeah, well, we <laughs> certainly appreciate you coming by and uh, helping us get a handle on this and helping us dream about uh, the, the stadium being lit like it was during the— The Michael Vick days, you know, pre-dog fighting case and so forth. There
2: you go, D. Thanks for having me, man. Be blessed.
1: All righty. Take care. We're going to take a break here. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal Constitution.
0: Ocean breeze. Tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com.
1: all right we're back here at the bowtie chronicles podcast episode 385 and once again thanks to my man clifton brown for coming by he's with the uh, baltimore ravens.com we go back to the 90s when we were doing the nba together and he's at the uh, new york times and i was at the uh, milwaukee journal sentinel and my first playoff series was uh orlando and houston and he said well whoever for, for nba championship series Whoever wins game one, that's who we want. <laughs> because we don't want to be there. You know, you've been on the road for like a month and a half. So you get to the championship and, you know, it could be two weeks. But if they sweep them in four, you're home quick. So uh, that was the game where Nick Anderson uh, bricked the free throws and the the uh, Rockets ended up sweeping Shaq and Penny and the, the old Orlando Magic. So we go back a ways and then we both end up here on football. So... Great to have some insight from, you know, the Baltimore side of things. Uh, uh, I just saw the Internet where everybody's going nuts about Lamar Jackson making jerseys with him in a Falcon uniform and stuff. Uh, So I said, hey, let me call Cliff. That'd be a good topic for the Bowtie Chronicles for, um, you know, as we get into the offseason. So um, the uh, candidates are... Are lined up here for the defensive coordinator job to replace Dean Pease. And we're going to look at the five uh, that we, we know and uh, one that we, you know, is not going to be a candidate. You know, the Jim Hazlitt report was not legitimate. He's not on their list. Uh, we haven't, uh, we were told to look out for DeShay Thompson Townsend, D back coach down in Jacksonville, but to our knowledge, that name hasn't, they haven't requested to talk to him coordinators they have are Brian Flores, Ryan Nielsen, uh, Al Holcomb, and Jerry Gray. Jerry Gray is my, who I believe to be the favorite, Uh, but Frank Bush wants the job too. He was very important in helping, Bush and Gray were very important in helping Arthur Smith get started down there in Tennessee. So um, Frank Bush, let's start with him. He's the linebacker coach. Uh, He's been, he's 60 been, was a college scout from 87 to 92, you know, after his career ended with a neck injury. He played for the Oilers in 85-86, fourth-round pick out of NC State from Clark Central in Athens, Georgia, uh, and he's been in the NFL since 1993, and uh, we have all the Stops along the way up on, it'll be up in the cover nine nine block. I'm not going to go through every stop here. What I did do was I pulled out the rankings uh, and some highlights here. He was uh, won a Super Bowl ring with Denver in 32, Super Bowl 32 and 33 against the Packers and the uh, Falcons. 09, when well, he was a coordinator in 09 and 10, he was 17th in points allowed. And y'all remember, I was looking for 16 or higher, 13th in yards allowed, and they were 19th in takeaways. In 2010, your bottom route didn't didn't go too well, 29th in points, 30th in yards. And, um, you know, that was uh, his two-year stint. Then he ends up going from the Texans that year to Tennessee in 11 and 12, and that's when he meets Arthur Smith. Helps Arthur, as a defensive assistant, get acclimated to the league and breaking down things and so forth. It was a 10-year journey to the head coaching job, but it started together with Bush and Gray in 2011 in Tennessee. Now, he was a player, 85, 86, and I mentioned Athens, NC State, and so forth. Uh, He was also the interim coordinator for the Jets in 2020, and that defense ended up uh, 26th, 24th, and 17th in takeaways. So that's your the book on Frank Bush. Brian Flores, he's my the most popular of the group here. Uh, one 0 NFL coach told me that, hey, that's who they should hire. He's the best qualified. Uh, but, you know, Coach Smith's a first-year coach, uh, first-time head coach. Brian Flores has been there, wants to get back to coaching. Might be a moot point because – He's also a head, uh, candidate for the Arizona job. Now, Brian is the uh, young man. He's 41, who is suing the league for the alleged discriminatory uh, hiring practices in the coaching uh, profession. Uh, he got fired by the uh, Dolphins after three seasons, uh, and, uh, you know, that lawsuit was filed uh, thereafter. So he's been in the NFL. He's been in the NFL from uh 08 to 18 with the Patriots got four Super Bowl rings, including the Super Bowl 51 against the Falcons. He also worked with Dean Pease in 08 and 09, and so he knows the defense. He knows the defense that uh, the Falcons are installing three four with multiple looks on uh, some downs, but it's a three four. He was a play caller in 18 for the Patriots. They finished seventh in points allowed and. 21st in uh, yards and fifth in uh takeaway giveaways. Now in Miami, he had a uh, three defenses. They finished 32nd in points, six in points and 16 in points. And um, that was 2019, 20 and 21. And and uh, in yards they were finished 30th, 20th and 15th. His last year was his best year. And, uh, Then in 19, they went turn away, take away giveaways, twenty 3, and 16. So he's got some top half of the league uh, stuff on his resume. Coached with the Steelers last year as their senior defensive assistant linebackers coach. So uh, he played in Boston College, played at Boston College with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, I think, was a freshman running the scout team when he was a senior. Now, the next one is very interesting Uh, The next two, because I don't know, you know, um, you definitely want to pick your opponent's brains. And uh, the Saints have been very good at getting sacks. Uh, Ryan Nielsen is a a candidate. He's currently the co-defensive coordinator, defensive line for the Saints. He was in the college ranks from 05 to 16. He's been with the Saints since '17. And their sack totals over the the years, the Falcons would love to get anywhere near any of this. 42, 49, 51, 45, 46, and last season, 48. The 232 sacks, 232 sacks from 2017 to 2021 was third in the league. And he's a defensive line coach that's been making that happen. So you're interviewing for the defensive coordinator and say, hey, how do y'all get this pressure? And, you know, maybe he tells you, maybe he doesn't. But uh, ranking, this ranking list last year when he's co-defensive coordinator, but I think Dennis Allen's calling the plays. So they were ninth in points, fifth in yards, and 31st in turnover takeaway giveaways. And these are pro football reference rankings and numbers. So he played at USC and uh, uh, Eagles. He had a cup of coffee with the Eagles and um, – one of my guy, I love it, the arena football guys, the L.A. Avengers. Yeah, one of my first beats, full-time beats, was uh, covering the Cincinnati Rockers in the Arena Football League. That I was a backup with the Bengals, but I had the whole Rockers beat out of myself. And so, yeah, so I don't remember the Avengers, but I covered the Cincinnati Rockers, and Art Sleaster was a quarterback. All right, Al Holcomb, another in-division candidate in um, – You know, hey, if he gets a job, fine. If not, he can kind of tell you how the Panthers, you know, tried to stop you. He's uh, 52. Name is uh, uh, Al Hokum. title defensive coordinator. Uh, Was in the college ranks. He's from New York, 95 to 08. Got to start with the Giants. And I like these guys. He started out as a defensive quality control assistant. So he's worked his way up from the bottom. With the Giants from 09 to 12 Panthers, you know, during the Luke Keekly Thomas Davis series 13 through uh, 2013 to 2017. He goes with Steve Wilkes to Arizona for the one year and uh you know got fired in a year, didn't get a fair shake out there. They went to the Browns in 19 and then came back to the Panthers in 2020. So he's got a Super Bowl ring with the Giants and a Super Bowl appearance with the Carolina Panthers, the uh, game against Peyton Manning and the uh, Denver Broncos. So Super Bowl ring also started up. 2011 season started out as a defensive quality control. I don't see where he played football. He went to West Virginia, so I don't know what happened there, uh, but I I didn't see him on their football list or anything uh, on him playing and so, lastly, for the coordinators here, the coordinator candidates, uh, known coordinator candidates uh, that the Falcons have requested, and we knew uh, we were at the NFL owners meeting and uh, uh, hanging with Coach for a little while, and then he went off and uh, he was meeting with Jerry Gray. So, and Jerry, so I wasn't surprised that Jerry Gray was going to be on this list. But Jerry, uh, 60, he's currently the. Uh, defensive backs coach and passing game coordinator, Uh, 25 seasons in the NFL, close friend of the coach. I was with the Titans in 11 and 13, so he helped them get going in the league also. Now, uh, some of y'all might remember Mr. Gray. He was a uh, four-time pro bowler, two-time all-pro cornerback with the Rams, Oilers, and Bucks. Played at Texas, was all-American cornerback at Texas. All right, so that's a look at your defensive coordinator candidates. Jerry Gray has the most experience. He's been a coordinator for eight years, 01 to 05 in Buffalo, and 11 to 13 in Tennessee. And he's had top four defenses, top 16 defenses four times, four to eight. And he's had top 16 defenses in yards allowed for those eight years. So in 03 and 04, he had a number two-ranked defense in Buffalo. So in uh, the, that number 03 defense was also fifth in uh, total points. So he's had some good defenses at both stops. Uh, also bottomed out in Tennessee with the 32-ranked scoring defense. They've so given up a bunch of points in 12. But uh, he's also had some very good defenses. That 03 defense, defense was led by Takeo Spikes. We all know him from Georgia and uh, played at Auburn. So Tikeo was one of his guys, one of his guys in Buffalo. So with that, we're going to move uh, on to get you ready for the playoffs this weekend. Uh, this is uh, we had an exciting Super wild Card weekend. Uh, things will uh, ramp up here in the divisional uh, round of the playoffs. Gotta tip our hats to Fourier, Olican, and the Jacksonville Jaguars for coming back from 27 27 points to pull out the 31-30 victory over the Los Angeles Chargers. So let's get ready here for this weekend um, for the uh, divisional round of the playoffs. Saturday at 4.30, you got Jacksonville at Kansas City. Chiefs will be heavily favored the Jaguars won't quit. Uh, and Fourier, hat tip too. He also led the league in, 100, in uh, tackles for the second year in a row, 184, and also led them in solo tackles with 128. He led them uh, against the Chargers with 13 tackles in that game and one quarterback hit. Then uh, Saturday, 8-15, the Giants and the Eagles in a battle of two NFC East teams. Then Sunday at 3, you got the Bengals at Buffalo. That's a rematch of the game of, you know, that uh of uh, that was going to be played in Cincinnati before Demar Hamlin suffered his injury. And then uh Dallas at San Francisco at 6:30 p.m. And uh, you know, the following week, the title games are set for uh, Sunday, the January 29th, the NFC Championship game at 3 and the AFC Championship game at 6.30. Now, uh, another note here, the um, Kansas City and Buffalo fans could buy tickets to the Atlanta game at the Bills, that starts on Wednesday. They go ahead and they're starting a pre-sale because it's a possibility that game could be played here in Atlanta. And the pre-sale for the Buffalo and Kansas City fans start starts at 10 a.m. Wednesday, but for Atlanta fans that want to go, we got the link for you in the Cover 9 and 9 blog. Uh, that presale will start Friday at 10 a.m. And the link for uh, you to register to buy tickets for the Al- what potential Atlanta game is, um, you know, on Friday at 10 a.m. So we got some ticket information, uh, got everybody ready for the playoffs. Um, I'll just go through my favorites real quick for you all yeah can i'm going with kansas city and the eagles no upset there the giants did look good they look real good they found some found some offense there to uh send minnesota home but i i, I like the eagles and uh bingles at buffalo i like buff i like the Bengals in this one so that'll 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 kill the atlanta afc title game but uh i like joe but they might be they might lost too many linemen yeah that's gonna be a problem in their defense uh it's good, but it, I don't know if he's going to man up to Josh Allen and who's going to cover Stefan Diggs. So, yeah, I'm going to flip. I'm going with the Bills on that one. Although I, I want to pick the Bengals, but I, they, that line situation is just bad. They tried to improve it, but it's not good enough. Now, uh, Dallas at the 49ers. Yeah, I'm going 49ers here. So, that was set up a 49er and Eagles uh, championship game in Philadelphia. And then uh, – that was set up the buffalo chiefs game in atlanta. So there we go. Those are my picks for the weekend. So before we get out of here, we want to um thank Clifton Brown of baltimoreravens.com for coming by and helping us discuss the uh Lamar Jackson situation. Uh we wanted to give you a um uh, some more details and facts on the defensive coordinator candidates. That's uh they're interviewing this week. Probably can wrap it up in a couple weeks. He might try to wrap it up before he gets out to the East-West All-Star Game on the 25th. And uh, they'll be out scouting on the 25th and uh, uh, during the, um, you know, all the way up to the 4th. Some people will be at the East-West Shrine Game in uh, Vegas. And others will be down at the Senior Bowl. So, um, you know, that's uh, I, I would think he'd try to wrap it up before he goes out on the road scouting. But, you know, sometimes things, you know, he said he wasn't in a rush. So, we're going to let Coach Smith take his time with the defensive coordinator search. So, with that here, we're going to get on out. It's the 385th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Take care and have a great rest of the week. And enjoy the playoff games on Saturday and Sunday.
0: Ocean Breeze. Tropical Beach. Pina Colada.